Hey there, this is Anna. If you enjoy listening to Watershed, please consider making a donation. This podcast is made for you and by you. Thanks. Welcome to Watershed. I'm in the car driving to Tallahassee for this month's episode, and the whole ride over I'm thinking, who needs college basketball? The Florida legislature's in session, and that's much more exciting. They're the same kinds of rivalries, emotional ups and downs, and the stakes are a lot higher. Okay, maybe that's blasphemy, but by the time we reach the end of this episode, perhaps you'll see my point. You're listening to Watershed, a podcast about Floridian culture and our layered, ever-changing, beloved environments. I'm Anna Hamilton. If you've been with us since the beginning, you'll remember our very first story from September 2014. We profiled campaign efforts for Amendment 1, the Florida Water and Land Conservation Amendment, which would reinstate funding for conservation lands in Florida. It's a long journey from campaigning for an amendment to its implementation, so now's a good time to bring you up to speed. You see, the fate of Amendment 1 is tangled up in political agendas, differing interpretations, and the deep halls of the Florida legislature. Aliki Moncrief is executive director of Florida's Water and Land Legacy, a coalition that campaigned for Amendment 1. Moncrief remembers the shock she felt on election night in 2014 when she heard that Florida voters had passed Amendment 1 by a sweeping 75%. When the results were first starting to roll in about Amendment 1 and all the other um, elections that were going on, it was about 8 o'clock in the evening when we heard that Amendment 1 passed. And we were honestly shocked because it was so early. We thought we were going to be up until midnight, uh, you know, as the results rolled in around the state. But it was such a resounding victory. It was such a resounding statement that voters were making that we, at 8 o'clock in the evening, learned that we had, we had won. Here's the backstory. In 2009, the state eliminated Florida Forever, the esteemed $300 million a year land buying program. Amendment 1 would restore Florida Forever funding for the purchase and management of conservation lands for 20 years. For the upcoming budget year, the mandate is expected to generate more than $700 million from an existing tax on property exchanges. Though Moncrief remembers Amendment 1's passing with relief, Tears were shed, cries of joy and laughter, huge sighs of relief. The fight for Amendment 1 is not over. Now, conservation advocates are up against lawmakers in Tallahassee. Moncrief says that Amendment 1 was supposed to address the divide between Floridians, who largely value wildlands, and the legislature, which prioritizes business development. So Amendment 1 was born in large part out of a frustration on the part of the environmental community, the conservation community, and Florida citizens over severe funding cuts that were being made at the legislature to our most popular and well-respected conservation programs like Florida Forever, like Everglades Restoration. What the conservation community did was they researched how do Florida voters feel about this issue? Is this is there a disconnect between how everyday citizens think about water and land conservation and how our legislators are funding water and land conservation. They found that there was a an egregious disconnect. And so that's how Amendment 1 was born. Uh, Amendment 1 essentially is an effort, or was an effort, continues to be an effort, to repair the gap that we saw 
between what legislators were funding on the environmental front and what citizens wanted to be funded. Though there's still about a month left in the 2015 legislative session, things aren't going as well as conservation advocates had hoped. Last Thursday, the Senate passed a budget with $35 million for Florida Forever and $20 million for restoration of the Kissimmee River. And as of last Wednesday, the House was proposing just $10 million for land acquisition. Moncrief says both are paltry compared to Florida Forever's historic $300 million annual budget. It's disconcerting. It's disappointing because of the amazing support that voters had for Amendment 1. The amendment itself references land acquisition 18 times. And so it's a little hard to believe that anyone can read the amendment and not put at least some money into Florida Forever and land acquisition. Umatilla Republican Alan Hayes is the chief budget writer for environmental spending in the Senate. He leads the opposition to reinstating land buying funds. Hayes says that Florida already owns enough conservation land and that the state's environmental record for the last few years has been top-notch. New Smyrna Beach attorney Clay Henderson disagrees. Henderson helped draft Amendment 1 and says that the impacts of Florida's growing population are all around us. We've got uh, springs across central Florida that uh, are highly degraded. Uh, you know, I've got one uh, spring in my county, Volusia County, where the, the public spent $6 million to acquire this place. It's too polluted to, be, to go swimming in it anymore. Uh, I live on the Indian River Lagoon. I've watched the last couple of years the result of a um, high degree of nutrients going in the lagoon, some huge algae blooms that have resulted in a large amount of deaths of manatees and dolphins and pelicans. Uh, fishing is off um, uh, all through the Indian River Lagoon. We've seen those problems. So we're experiencing water quality issues all across the state of Florida now. And I think the public has a, you know, reacts to that because they can see it. If you can't you know, put your boat in the water because, you know, you're afraid you might get sick or you can't uh, go swimming in your favorite watering hole because the water is too polluted. Uh, and that's, um, yeah, that's, you're losing part of the quality of life that we all, all of us in Florida like to appreciate. Ryan Smart echoes Henderson, saying that purchasing and managing additional conservation land could preemptively mitigate these environmental problems across Florida. Smart is president of 1,000 Friends of Florida, the state's growth management advocacy group. At this point, when we have over 90% of our waters polluted, when we don't have habitat corridors for some of our most precious species like the Florida panther, when we have black bears that we're going to have to hunt because they're, they don't have enough land to live on, the evidence that we don't own enough conservation land is everywhere. I don't see any evidence to say that we have enough. Conservationists are paying close attention to the legislature as they hash out Amendment 1, and in particular to Senator Hayes. Hayes is diverting Amendment 1 funds towards other, less conservation-related projects, including those that actually support increased development. Smart doesn't think that all of Hayes' projects fall under the umbrella of Amendment 1. Then there's some other projects that are clearly not Amendment 1, and that is developing new water supplies for increased development. I don't think anybody thought that they were voting to provide water to new urban sprawl when they voted for Amendment 1. I think it was quite the opposite. 
I think that when people went and voted for the amendment, that the, they in their heads knew what they were voting for. They were voting for clean water, and they were voting for natural lands, protecting natural lands. Amendment 1 supporters will consider legal action if the legislature veers too far from the amendment's intent. For them, Amendment 1's provisions are clear. Funding for Florida Forever, the Everglades, and Springs Protection. And yet there's this wide gap between the voters' will and Tallahassee's lawmakers. It's not good news. Florida, maybe you say we have schizophrenic electorate or bipolar electorate. So they passed Amendment 1 with 75%, but they returned to office the same people who uh, didn't like land conservation to begin with. Which begs the question, is this just history repeating itself? Think back to preceding Florida amendments like the lottery. Henderson says that the legislature's treatment of Amendment 1 harkens back to this example. It's a lot like the old lottery. You know, when the lottery was passed, also very significantly, the legislature came in and instead of using it for enhancements for education, used it to spend it for existing programs. And so the, in the, the Senate, for instance, has uh, almost $200 million in its budget uh, for payment of salaries of existing personnel in the state park system, the Forest Service, uh, Division of Historic Resources, Cultural Affairs, and the uh, Game and Fish Commission. These are all, for the most part, positions that are currently funded uh, under general revenue. And so they are saying, well, we'll take them out of Amendment 1 so uh, we can free up the general revenue money for something else. So that's what they're doing. It's the old bait and switch. It may be too early to predict the outcome for Amendment 1, but advocates say they're hoping to sway lawmakers before a final budget passes. Again, Aliki Moncrief. Our next steps are to reach out to those key legislators who are responsible for developing the proposed budgets on both the House and the Senate side. Mainly our goal is to remind legislators what voters expect to see, what voters intend. So for now, that's, it's really all about outreach. It's all about reminding our legislators about the will of the voters. Citizens want new parks. They want parks, they, urban parks. They want the big wild parks. Um, they want to protect wildlife habitat. They want to make sure that we're protecting the lands that keep our rivers clean and keep our springs clean. Floridians intimately understand the connection between protecting our undisturbed natural areas and protecting our waters. The Florida legislature is still in session, so new things are happening every day. Our website has tons of links to the ongoing news coverage of Amendment 1. That's at watershedradio.com. If you care about the outcome of this issue, Aliki Moncrief suggests calling your state representatives and giving them an earful. They don't hear from constituents nearly enough during this time. This episode is made possible in part by our friends at the Southern Documentary Project at the University of Mississippi. Our music comes from Felipe Worst and The Soon Another. I'm Anna Hamilton, and you've been listening to Watershed, a podcast about Florida in flux. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and subscribe to us via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a review? We'd appreciate it. 